This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives, dreamers and entrepreneurs online. I'm your host, Sarah Tasker, a certified coach specializing in creative business and all things related to social media and the digital realm. This is episode 115. How are you doing? I'm very excited to be back in your ears, in your podcast app. And I have some awesome new guests lined up for another flurry of episodes to share with you all. And for anyone who has missed it, I have made some changes in my business, in my working life. One of the big ones being that I have launched a Substack. It's called Entre Nous, as in French for Between Us. And it is about everything at the moment, a little bit about my French house renovation, my musings on social media and AI and the future of all of these things and how they intersect with businesses and just kind of whatever else is coming out of my brain at the moment. So if you want to check it out, you can subscribe for free. And there's also some paid member tiers where you get access to extra things like co-working calls and creative clinics where you can drop in and ask questions and special guest lives. I mention all of this, A, just because it's really fun and I'd love you to come over and hang out and be a part of the community I'm building there. But also B, because my guest today has very kindly agreed to do a Q&A for my paid subscribers over on Substack 2 after the episode. So if you're feeling inspired by the conversation you hear today, come over, have a look. It starts at around 6 50 a month to subscribe. Hopefully it's affordable for lots of people and... I would so love to have you there, whether as a free or a paid member, you're very, very welcome. Okay, let's launch into what we're talking about today. My guest is Hannah Bullivan, who some of you might remember has been on the podcast before. She is just one of my favorite people anyway. Um, And she's had an amazing couple of years renovating a van from a fairly decrepit, rotting, static caravan into a luxury airbnb style accommodation and she has done a really fantastic job of making content along the way so we talk about all of that about how to balance the creation and the work with remembering to take pictures and put it on the gram and about hannah's successful foray into youtube but why she ultimately decided to take the channel down And downsizing and decluttering and why actually it really does matter that we feel at home in the spaces around us and it's not superficial to care. I am personally on a bit of a decluttering binge at the moment. So this was super timely for me and you'll probably be able to hear from my questions that I was basically just trying to get Hannah to fix my brain for me. So if you would like to ask Hannah any of your own questions, have a look in the show notes for that link to the Substack. I know she would really love to connect with you. And I can vouch for the fact that she's an awesome human being. Okay, here's Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Welcome back to the podcast. It's so nice to be here and to speak with you. It's been a while since we've had a chat like this. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was time we caught everybody up with what you've been doing, because you've been doing a lot of exciting and very interesting things. Um, And as always, I just think your wisdom on these topics is relevant to everybody, especially me, actually, I have to say, maybe it's selfish because as I am renovating 
the French house at the moment. Um, I keep thinking, what would Hannah do? What would Hannah do in this moment? So I'm going to find out today. <laughs> For anyone who's not met you yet, could you give us the intro to who you are and what you do? Yes. So I am an interior designer, an interior stylist and a content creator. That is the easiest way of summarizing everything that I'm doing at the moment. And I help people to design, declutter and decorate their homes. And I can I do one to one services and I also teach people through e-courses. And then on the content side, I sort of share a lot of that process um, and uh, teach people on socials, basically how to declutter and design and decorate their homes as well. I think I think it's really interesting that you include right away in your job title that content creation side of it, because it is like a huge part of sustaining the rest of your business. And that's true for a lot of us, but it's easy to kind of shove that to one side and put it like just under the bracket of marketing and forget that actually it can need to be 50% of our job in order to sustain the other 50%. Would you agree? Absolutely. I, I, I'm very intentional about including it because if I said that I was an interior designer or an interior stylist, that feels like a very, literally half of what I do. It, it, it's missing out half yeah. of it. Just so much of what I do is about the content I create around it and put out online. And it's because of the content that I am able to be an interior designer, interior stylist. So do you know, like, so it just, it's really integral to what yeah, I Yeah, it really feeds into each other. And if you had to choose between the two, like, is the interior designing the thing that is the real you or are, are they both equal passions for you? In terms of the styling and the designing? Or yeah. Creation. Oh, so yeah, the content creation versus the actual interior work. Oh, that's too hard. But um, I mean, I would say potentially even then I would, go on the on the content creation side sorry because that's been part of my life for longer than yeah. interiors stuff has although interiors has been like my biggest love but um that's yeah. really interesting I, I the reason I asked that I suppose is right off the bat like as soon as you said that I was thinking of so many of the people who'll be listening so many of the clients I have who content creation is like the part of their job they struggle with the most and that difference that that you you love it that you 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 find genuine creative joy in doing it means that it makes the whole of your business so sustainable and I think there's something quite inspiring about that I'm curious to dig into it a little bit more with you today um so let's start with content the big change or one of the big events that's really happened for you since we last spoke is you took on a pretty big project Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, so in 2020, so I think we might last have spoken in like 2019. So um, I think, but yeah, the following year, pandemic hit. Um, and in between the sort of lockdowns, we were given notice on our house. It was spring, I think, or like late spring. And we there was just nothing on the market because there weren't that many people moving house. And it was all super expensive. And we had a sort of jokey conversation with some really good friends of ours whose field we camp in every summer to say, <laughs> Should we, can we just like camp in your field? Like, ha, 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 ha. And then one thing led to another. They have always wanted to have a static caravan in their field for their visitors because their house isn't that big. And they've got like a big field, but they don't have a spare room for visitors. So, so Dave and I were like, well, no, no, a minute. <laughs> Maybe. What if we could 
move move in with you and renovate the static for you so it kind of gives us a place to live but it also meant that Dave and I could like flex our renovation muscles and as we've been like lifelong renters um and yeah so how it, it was just a really exciting opportunity to kind of have a go at renovating something so it's kind of half personal half work project <laughs> a, bit, a bit of a sort of merging of the two but it was really fun it was really really good fun and I love that I love that you say it was really good fun like I have to say having watched you go through it there were definitely times it didn't seem quite so fun yeah the legacy it's left you with is fun right yeah exactly as like I was like it's really fun and then I was it was also really hard work and we also got probably too carried away doing it and uh yeah so but it still was fun and yes it's left us with we have like a holiday home for life that we can go back to and um, we just pop up there sometimes in the day to have a cup of tea or you know so it's a really lovely um really lovely place that we've built that we can still enjoy if you know what I mean and it seemed to be from the outside looking in quite transformational for you as a content creator as well and and I say that not just because of the content I was watching and enjoying that you were putting out there but all of a sudden people were saying to me and have you heard of Hannah Bullivant have you seen what she's doing and I was like yes I have (laughs) and now you have too amazing like did it feel that way did you feel a sudden uptake or yes and it's only since you've literally said as you've said it that I'm like that is so true so up until that point I'd still I was sharing work stuff but it was primarily lifestyle my own life like my own lifestyle like kids and stuff um and I now share very little of the kids for lots and lots of reasons um but yeah that was I think that kind of marked the shift between my main account moving from a sort of lifestyle account about me to a an account that was about interiors I think that was the shift it was the van um so yeah that's but really still about you I would argue but you yeah. you the interiors person rather than you the the blogger type person who does interiors yes I think that's true yeah so I still do share quite a lot of me and I'm still fairly real and raw on stories and um and things like that but yes I think sharing the van project was quite pivotal um certainly led to more followers and engagement and you know people really really loved it um and it it is such a good story because it was it cost 150 pounds and it was completely rotten um and we renovated it into like a it's like we've clad it in wood um, and gorgeous everything down in the inside and re designed it so there's like a big open plan living like kitchen and living room area dining room area and then there's two bedrooms and then a bathroom sort of a mini bathroom extension that we did on the back as well so um it feels really nice inside so it doesn't have a static caravan at all um definitely as a before (laughs) and after like you could not have done a better job of this especially with it starting in a state that was worse than you anticipated I seem to recall Yes, it was a lot worse. So initially when we bought it, we knew that it was sort of shabby, but we were still hoping to leave the internal structure up, but just like I was going to add some wooden cladding and, you know, like I was just going to kind of do it. Yeah, prettify what was existing. But when we got it on site, there had been a leak 
Um, and we knew the bathroom floor was a bit rotten, but the leak had spread underneath like half of the floor, not just the bathroom, because the bathroom, the bathroom in a static caravan is only is teeny and it had spread into all the bedrooms in the living area as well. And it was the floor was like Weetabix. So when Dave took up the lino, he was just like able to like just pop like poke his foot through it. So it meant that in order to sort it, we had to take the walls down. <laughs> it's just like, uh, so that's, that was the first like, ah, this is going to be a much bigger job than we realised. So it literally was like taken back to its bare bones um, and built back up again. So, yeah, it was definitely worse than we thought it was going to be. But a great story. Yes, it is a good story. <laughs> so one of the things um, I struggle with personally, and I definitely know other people listening to this struggle with, is when you are actually in the throes of a project and whether that's a huge project like this one or it's just doing your creative work, like say you're a maker and you sit down and you get to task on one of your jobs remembering to take the time to create the content along the way and then having the energy left over at the end to want to tell the story of it can actually be a whole challenge and I'm curious how that showed up for you because at the time you were doing YouTube videos as well as Instagram content like you guys were doing an amazing job of documenting it was that a struggle did it come naturally oh that's such a good question um so yes and no (laughs) (laughs) So part parts of it came really naturally, like sharing on Instagram stories and even doing the Instagram posts. Um, we had a Patreon at the time as well. We so Patreon updates. So I was doing like weekly renovation updates for Patreon and things like that. So um, and it all felt the reason I say yes and no is because at the beginning it did feel really fun. Um, and then as you can probably predict, <laughs> um, it, it became less fun because uh, life got busy, work got busy. We kind of, the renovation just, it just took so much longer than we thought because we had to do so much more than we initially thought we do, we were going to do. It then took longer to actually finish it. Um, and actually, by the end of it, we were exhausted. So it got to the point with the YouTube where, because Dave was basically editing it. We were both filming it and then Dave was editing it. Um, where uh, there'd, be, there'd be gaps between episodes and pe- we'd have people being like when's the next episode what's happening update update Dem- like demanding the update and it's it adding to your stress stuff. yeah um and so in the end it got to the point where I was like I actually can't stand anyone else demanding an update so we took the channel down and it is still down we will at one day either when Dave has energy or when we can be organized and have the money to pay somebody we'll give somebody all the content and try and get the whole thing down into like four episodes um, just so that we can document the process of it because it is it was a really fun process um, and we did loads of it ourselves and we learned loads of lessons and made mistakes and and so it's, it, it would be really fun to do that but yeah it did become too much and it it did become uh, it did feel like a pressure after mm. a while so the, I, I, we closed the Patreon, we stopped the YouTube. Um, so, yeah. And do you know what? I think, though, that it's really, there's a really key lesson in there that you you did that, that you gave yourself permission, because a mm-hmm. lot of people might have gone, well, this is working, right? Like people are clamoring for updates. How can I possibly walk away from it? Mm-hmm. But if you hadn't, things things sound like they might have got quite bad for you both. <laughs> yeah, no, really, really. Like I've got like, mental health stuff and like I I know where my like red flags are do you know mm-hmm. what I mean and, and I yeah. know when I need to step back so it just became really really clear like even though it meant you know leaving like stopping 
the income and the engagement on those platforms, I was like, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this. It's too yeah. much. Um, so, yeah, because ultimately us managing our own mental health was more important. Like that's kind of how that's kind of what it what it came down to ultimately. I think that's so important. And also, of course, like if those people want it badly enough, they will come and find it wherever it now lives. So if you're like, well, from now on, I'm just going to update on stories sometimes. Yeah. You know, if they were willing to pay for it, I would imagine they'd be willing to come on your Instagram instead for free. So Exactly. exactly. And so I've kind of got a highlight pinned on the top of my Instagram, um, which you can go and check out if you want, which is a one minute before and after. So it's a really satisfying, like, that's that's it. That's the story. Um, <laughs> but then. I, I had an interesting thing as well where I gained a lot of followers be, from sharing the project and then when it, the project finished we moved out last summer um and people were like oh have you moved out and it, it certainly I was a slightly less interesting <laughs> because it was me back in a, a standard rental I mean we were part of the plan is we did want to try and buy somewhere but just for various reasons that has not happened cost of living I'm sure yeah. you all know the drill so yes yeah, so, so we're back in a rental and also currently are not doing any projects in this rental we I think we will but right like since we've lived in it we've just felt like no we just need to enjoy just living somewhere yeah, yeah. not doing a project and kind of and we've had some other stuff happening like Dave's dad has been really ill like we just had to kind of I don't know like make our life a bit easier for a while so that was a bit of a challenge as a content creator it still is a bit of a yes. challenge as a content creator um well and so this is a conversation I have with people a lot of the time because I it's very easy right when you have the big flashy project the big before and after the big thing going on to know exactly what the content's supposed to look like but what do we do in the quiet in-betweens what do we have to share what do we have to say and mm-hmm. um, like how are you navigating that what do you find yourself being drawn to share or what do you find working for you right now um I it's something I am still struggling with so you know I'm still actively working through this however I have shifted focus and well I suppose not shifted focus because I have always done this but I'm doing more of it and it's the advice side so rather than focusing on here's a project I did, which might inspire you. It's here's some advice for you, or here's a tip for you, or, uh, you know, it's that, it's that kind of stuff. So I talk quite a lot about decluttering. So I just did a reel about, you know, how you can declutter in like 10 minutes a day that you don't have to take weeks off work, or I will share, here's how you start with color for your home, or uh, here's, I've had a question, I'm going to put a reel up later today, actually, on it about, um, can I mix metals? How do you mix metals when you're planning mm. a renovation? Things like that. So, and I've um, put every now and then I do a question box called, uh, like an interiors agony ant question box, basically. And then I, I've i got them all saved. And then every now and then when I've got time, I'll sit down and do a like, batch load of answers to these agony ant questions. So now my content is much more it's that and it, it used to be that and projects and you know what I mean and it, yeah. it's not so much of the personal stuff so I think in terms of the algorithm I don't think Instagram knows what to do with me because it seems to me I'd be interesting interested to know what you think that Instagram really likes it when we find a niche and then we stick to it mm. and nothing other than what what Instagram likes and so I think you know I've kind of and I've shared a bit of this and I've shared a bit of that and I know that we you and me have talked about this a lot like over the years about being a multi-passionate person and having different interests or in my case 
just having a different life situation that means that I'm not in a position to share, you know, renovation space or nonstop for the rest of your life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think that Instagram is sometimes a bit like, oh, what, what, what do we do with you? <laughs> you know, do, how can we pigeonhole you? What's the? We've rewarded you with engagement. How dare you not continue to churn exactly. out that specific brand of content? Yes. What I love about that as well, though, is that it it's kind of you noticing all of the expertise that you have in your daily life mm-hmm. that maybe otherwise you wouldn't be tapping into, right? Like we all have that. We all have things that come so easily to us things that we already have around us like your house is already a really great example of living with intentional design but also with real life happening at the same time and just that is interesting and fascinating and useful to people and valuable but it's harder to kind of see from the inside it's one of those things that if someone else came into your house they'd go oh I love how you've done that and oh that's so interesting the way you put those together and you'd be able to talk about it but if you're just sat on your sofa it doesn't necessarily spring to mind that that is something that someone else might want to know. Yeah. And even that is a good nudge for me now because I haven't really shared any, anything to do with the current rental because, and this is, again, it's so much about what you think about things, isn't it? Like, because I was like, Oh, people won't be interested because it's not like done and it's not a project. Do you know what I mean? So, um, but actually I think me just sharing how, this is how I've styled the room with zero, you know, updates or decor, but like just by putting my things in it, this is what I've done. Like, you know, in the rental so far, clearly needs to think of a better title than that, but (laughs) um, something like that, because I agree that just sharing a bit more like of the real life of it. Like I am an interior designer and my house is quite shabby and challenging to live in, but here is some of the things that I've done that make it feel lovely to me and functional um as well well because so many of your customers and potential customers are people who live in houses that feel a bit shabby and like they're not where they want them to be right so the permission in going hey you can start right here and like sometimes your life will look like this and you are also allowed to be someone who cares about interiors and makes intentional choices like we don't see that very often it's either I live in my perfect house with my perfect body and my perfect clothes and this is all I do (laughs) or like the reality mommy bloggers types and and that in-between space is quite hard to find but it's also like such magic compelling content and I say that as someone who you know I'm doing this French house renovation I'm doing a really crap job of sharing it and I'm I'm noticing like big part of that is I'm just so freaking tired like by the time I finish doing some of the work I just want to lie down in a dark room and drink wine but another part of it is it's not pretty enough. It's not finished enough. It's not perfect. It's the messy middle. And it's hard to share from the messy middle. Like that doesn't come as naturally, I think, as sharing either the before when we're full of hope and optimism and the after when we're full of satisfaction and pride. Ah, yes. Okay, well, let's both do it, Sarah. Come on. (laughs) A messy middle project. Maybe we need to do something like a a thing that people can join in and, and we'll call everyone in to come and share their messy middles with us because... Actually, it's actually the most compelling part of the story. If you think about any story, like a love story or a renovation story or whatever, like the bit that keeps you hooked is tuning in to find out what's going to happen today and the disasters along the way. And that you it just went smoothly and it was perfect. That would be the most boring story ever. Yeah, it's so true. Um, so I'm I'm feeling inspired to try and share a little bit more about this house. Um, Because at the moment, the way that I kind of, 
I either share, sort of share advice, but I also will share bits that I'm working on for clients. And that is a little bit where I get lost in the kind of dreamy, aspirational. Nice. Um, you need that in there, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's nice to have a mix. But I think that, yeah, I could definitely be sharing our messy middle, which is as renters, you know, waiting still, who knows for how long to try and buy a place. And like, that's our messy middle at the moment, but like how we're making the most of it, I suppose. Yeah. And what tends to happen is we don't share the parts of ourselves that we're not totally okay with yet ourselves. So if you're feeling like, oh, we should have bought by now, or we said we'd have bought or any of that sort of stuff, or, you know, oh, I'm an interior designer, my house should be perfect. Like then we don't want to share it. And we all have those stories that we tell ourselves about like how we're supposed to be. And yes. it's always nonsense. Like the most compelling stuff is I remember speaking to um like a nutrition coach and she was like, oh, I, I just can't, I can't share the truth that sometimes my kids are just frantic and there's no food in the house and we just drive to McDonald's and eat it in the car. And I was like, you have to share that. That's mm-hmm. because as a parent who wants to like be intentional about food, like knowing that that's still okay, yeah. as well as all the other things you teach is the thing that's going to make me trust you and believe you. Yes, definitely. Yeah, Sorry, side rant, a little side rant there. <laughs> and then in terms of the French house, are you like, do you remember to set the camera up, or do mm. you like, or oh. do you not? Are you not? Are you just kind of getting on with projects and forgetting to film? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to remember to at least take pictures. Yes. Um. Yeah, I'm not remembering to set the camera up. I'm getting better at like setting myself reminders to do it, but um, it's we're very slapdash with it at the moment, so I never quite know what's gonna what transformation's gonna happen, and then suddenly I'll be like, I'm gonna paint this bed yeah. <laughs> and like half an hour later I'm like damn I didn't take any before pictures crap yeah. one of the things um, that Dave's got me doing well I mean this was more in when we were doing our own like the project in the static but um is um just setting the GoPro up so that it wasn't taking my phone because the other thing yes. is I have to use my phone for other things so I didn't want to just have it up but like just setting the GoPro up and um while I was doing something was really good and it meant that we've got a lot of footage as well. So it kind of, so that's, yeah. And Dave would just be like, as soon as you think about it, just press play on the GoPro, just press play on the, go- like record on the GoPro. I mean, you yes, know. that's and such a good tip. Yeah. So um, yeah, so the GoPro was really good for us as just having a separate, really easy device to set up. There's no zooming, there's no settings. You literally just press record and it's done. Um, I like that. And I guess like someone could could extend that same principle to like an old phone that they just mm-hmm. keep in one place, mm-hmm. keep charged up and yeah you just hit record yeah um that's such a good point and it can be like even mounted to your ceiling if you're a maker or whatever mm-hmm. wherever you need it to be but yeah that's I think that is a barrier because we want our phones yeah so that we can get sucked into notifications when we get bored or so exactly. we can change our playlist say, like how will we distract ourselves from work if we don't have our phones with us like, <laughs> yeah um so I think yeah we I, I think that is a barrier for people but having a separate thing that you can record what you're actually doing on was the difference that that really helped us Okay, I'm going to implement that as soon as I get back to France, for sure. Um, so the other part of your story that that always sticks in my mind and inspires me an awful lot is obviously you were previously living in a standard house and you made this decision to move in with your friends and to, while you were working on the static. So presumably there was an awful lot of downsizing involved with that. Yes. So this was the biggest downsize of my entire life. We got rid of over half of our possessions, maybe even like two thirds. Wow. Um, Because we had to. So um, at that point, so one of the big things that I teach is around decluttering. And I kind of felt like all of the 10 years leading up to that point, 
almost were preparing me for this because I was actually excited about it. Um, which I realize <laughs> I know it's gonna sound that's you've gonna... lost everyone. You just yes, <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. But like because I have it's been a really slow journey, I have to just say this. I do mean 10 years. Like, you know, it wasn't like this at the beginning, but decluttering and that kind of self-knowledge that helps you to declutter is like a muscle. The more you do it, the stronger you get and the easier it becomes. So by the time we were looking at this mega downsize, I was like literally kid in a candy shop. <laughs> I was like, right, so I know, you know, like I know what are my favorite things. I know the things I don't want to let go of um, and just got to work. So and at that point as well, Dave was super busy with work. So it was basically me just doing it. Um, so yeah, and, and I just kind of, I started quite far in advance. So I think we moved out in like May and I was doing it from January that year. So I gave my, do you know what I mean? Like I was really, I was like yeah. things down over a long period of time. Um, but yeah, because it was all of our main furniture that had to go as well as just tons and tons of actual stuff like toys and books and props, things that I had for work and um, yeah, life's like life things, kitchen gadgets decor things art so it was really a case of going through absolutely everything it's amazing and a lot of people I think would have just gone with the reflex of oh we'll hire a storage unit and we'll shove it all in there yes of course that would have cost you hundreds a month which would kind of negated the cost saving of living with your friends well exactly so and we were we did put some things in storage so we had my sister-in-law's um attic there we and we in there we put in some of our vintage furniture that I knew we wouldn't be able to get easily and art yeah. like my precious art pieces that I knew that we wouldn't be able to get in the van um so yeah lots of that stuff went up there and then also in our um uh friends uh they've our friends have got had like an outhouse thing and that's where I put a lot of my styling props in hindsight I actually wish I'd got rid of them because really it was the mid pandemic and I'd stopped working as a stylist, like doing events and stuff because of the pandemic. That's kind of how, what made me shift focus onto interiors. So mostly it just sat in boxes the whole time that we were there. And now recently I've just sold it all. <laughs> so I was like, actually, I could have been even more brutal. I could have got rid of all of those crates as well. That's um, amazing. So yes. Yeah. We, but it was really, <laughs> it was really freeing and it was really useful. I made like I was around two grand, I think, um, possibly more actually, maybe two and a half grand because it was like selling the sofas and things like that. So, um, but we also gave a lot away. Um, there was no way we could have done it if I tried to sell everything. So there comes a point where you just yes. have to So we, we were putting a lot of things just on the street, like please take me, um, as well as donating and listing things on local selling and like sharing groups as well. I remember the, the putting things in the street because it really stayed with me that, you know, when you get to that point when you've done some decluttering and it's all in a box in the hall or several boxes in my case, and then things start to drift back in. If you don't get them straight out of the house, yes. like all will come along and go, oh, I really want this. I'll have it. And before yeah. you know it, half that box is gone. But if you put it outside straight yeah. away, it's a beautiful, generous thing. It's going to make someone's day yes. and you are not going to be tempted to take it all home again, unless I guess no one takes it. Yes. And it depends where you live. Like at that point, I was I live in the centre of town. So and near a park. So I had there was loads of footfall past the house. But I don't think that would work so well in your house, for example. No, <laughs> it's all coming yeah, back in. Yeah. Um, so it's it sort of it's a mix, isn't it? I've just done actually another load of decluttering. And um, I think it was actually a weird grief reaction. <laughs> the latest round of decluttering. Uh, yeah. 
Um, so my like my father-in-law died recently. Um, and one of the things that I've done is yeah like really spurred on over the last few weeks a load of decluttering so just a small amount every day um but it it really amounted to quite a lot of stuff and just yesterday I kind of got it all together like folded it and like put it in bags and I'm just deciding now what to do it's either going to go to the local charity shop but I just need to check with our local clothes bank if, in case they've needed and they need anything um oh I've got I don't know I've gone on a massive tangent what no 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 this is good because what I'm thinking as you say that is like we do not talk enough I don't think anyone talks enough about the link between our spaces and our mental health and yes. especially our clutter and our mental health. And I'm with you hundred percent on this, that, you know, you can, you can basically assess my mental well-being by looking around any space in my house and working out where, how I'm doing at the moment, because it is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process of self-care, of intentionality, of, um, of letting go. Like I, how much of clutter is about us trying to hold on to a previous self or a previous lifetime or a previous something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I certainly feel so much better in a space that is clean and clear and intentional. And mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're minimalist, right? That doesn't mean that everybody needs to be in a white stark box. Some people have lots and lots of beloved intentional things and quite a busy style, but it's still intentional versus like, clutter which is that kind of sprawl of possessions that takes over us instead of us taking it that's absolutely yes so I don't teach minimalism and actually I've got clients and students who are joyful maximalists and um, who who go through the decluttering process because it yeah it's not about having no stuff it's about having stuff around you that is actually useful and beautiful to you not stuff that might be useful in the future or that you feel guilty about getting rid of um stuff yes. that you, you you feel a bit like meh about because that kind of meh energy really drags you down if you've got loads of stuff around you that you don't even need or like that much you know the energy of that is it's massive it's gonna really 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 affect you we spend so much time at home and our environment the the, the space around us and the things we have around us have a huge impact on us so you can imagine like yeah if you're surrounded by cluster and stuff that you don't really even like it's gonna feel miserable yeah it's gonna like drag you down and and I find it like if I'm at a low ebb that's when I suddenly get really intolerant with the clutter around me like you know just yes. mad about the stuff in the wardrobe like it really bothers me and I think because I think that's there all the time but a lot yeah. of the time I'm able to suppress it with busyness and with everything else um and and I have in the past been really really on it with my decluttering like definitely there was a time when I lived for quite a number of years where I was really keeping on top of it and then my health got worse and I I feel a bit like I was sleeping beauty for a few years and just sort of woke up and the clutter jungle had swallowed up my castle again and I was just like oh I need a prince with a sword to hack it back (laughs) and so I'm kind of back on it and the way I'm tackling it at the moment, I've just written something for my Substack about this that I've not published yet, but is I set myself this little challenge of just doing 10 things a day. So when I told my neighbor this, she was like, 10 things, you don't have enough stuff to get rid of 10 things a day. But I do. <laughs> and I think probably everyone does. And on a day when I've no energy, that's like 10 of all those felt tips that don't work anymore. And I just go through the box and, and find 10 and then I'm done or like 10 bits of old congealed makeup that I've hung on to for no good reason but sometimes it's 10 real things like 10 items of clothing or like 10 pairs of shoes that we've all between us amassed that don't even fit anymore or like it's surprising and it's very satisfying 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it can be addictive, can't it? <laughs> when you get yeah. totally, it's a to, it's a total dopamine release because um, it's like taking action. And I think that's how I realized that this latest stint was a bit of a grief reaction because it gives me a little bit of control in a bit of my life that feels really out of my control. So it was really interesting when I was like, oh, this is why I'm feeling drawn to that. I'm feeling really drawn to these little jobs. And again, it was all kind of, as I was just milling about my day, it wasn't one of my blitzes, which I also have a random emergency <laughs> sometimes. It was just like, I'd like open up the a kitchen drawer and be like, I've not touched that whisk in a year. It's going take it out. You know, like it was just like, yes. little, it, it's, it's that, it was that level of decluttering. So, and then when I was doing bedtime with my son, um, one night I was like, some of these books, he's definitely outgrown most of these books. And I just went through his bookshelf when I over one bedtime. Um, yeah, things like that. And it did amount to a, a huge amount of stuff, like loads, um, maybe seven bags full, like you're just doing a tiny Wild. Bit. And this is someone who got rid of like most of your possessions a few years yes, ago. Exactly. I mean, I think the thing is when you've got um, kids or if you've just got a changeable body, you, like clothes, yeah. you're, you know, clothes are the big thing, aren't they? So most of it is clothes. And then some of it was books that he's grown out of as well, that my that my kids grown, grown out of. Um, but yeah, it's wild because it isn't. And that's why for me, decluttering isn't like something that you just do. And then mm. forget about it's it's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It's like a it's an ongoing project. It's not it's there's no end goal. Do you know? Well, yeah. like, there's an end goal in terms of getting to a point of having less stuff around you and things feeling calmer. But, but it's never it, done. No, because you need to maintain it. Unless you stop consuming everything, <laughs> then you need to maintain maintain it. Um, yeah, I tried for a while to have a system of like, oh, for every one thing that comes in, like two things have to go out, but it's just too easy. You know, one day then it'll be all his birthday and you're like, well, how am I going to get rid of this many things in a day? And then it all starts to slide. Yes. Um, and then you touched on one of the things I struggle most with is clothes because mm-hmm. so many of my pieces are things that are like one of a kind or would be very hard to replace, but maybe they don't fit me right now. But that promise of like, but maybe one day, maybe, maybe I'll need it again. Yes. Oh my goodness. This is a huge one, isn't it? I, I, my take, it's really tricky because I don't want to encourage people to chuck away clothes, but like yeah. already we've got this landfill issue, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. However, I think that also it's so important for us to have clothes that fit, fit our body now. And it's such an emotional issue for so many people but I got to the point where I chose no longer to hold on to anything that didn't fit me. And that did mean getting rid of some really lovely bespoke, like handmade pieces. Um, and some of it I sold, some of it I actually gave to friends because I was like, I'd rather see, still see and enjoy it. I just, I don't fit it anymore. So do you, yeah. you know, why don't you enjoy it instead? Um, and the rest I gave, like I've got this clothes bank, the Whitstable clothes bank, who was such, they do such amazing work. So I was really happy to give my stuff to them um but yeah, but yeah do you know sorry no oh, it, it can be really hard though it can be really hard and if you don't have the money to replace things what do you do then you know yeah. so it's very it's very nuanced it's very gray for me yeah. it's absolutely an example of what I said earlier as well of like the the mental side of it of being willing to let go of that phase right of being able to go okay well the that period of my life when I looked like that and wore those clothes is not now that's not what it is now and because I'm not totally okay with that yet in I haven't fully reconciled it with myself the clutter is kind of a side effect it's like a symptom of that internal conflict and I see that come up so much for me like 
things I'm not willing to let go of are often like, you know, a lot of all this stuff from when she was younger, because I'm not yet ready to let go of the, of the memory and the joy of this tiny baby girl. And of course, I don't have to let go of that in order to let go of the stuff. But until I am fully reconciled with it, it's much harder for me to eat, to let go of that stuff with ease. But then, of course, sometimes letting go of the stuff, I think, helps loosen up the mental block so it can kind of work both ways. It really can. And and if, if there's like so many different ways to think about it as well, because what, one of the things that really helped me with clothes and other beautiful things that I wasn't displaying or using or wearing was why don't I let someone else enjoy it? If it's just literally sat in a box yeah. or in a wardrobe, like at least let somebody else, you know, who will really, really love it, enjoy it. Um, that helped me. And I think like in terms of your previous comment as well, there's no getting around the fact that clutter is super emotional, like really, really emotional. It's often connected to trauma. Like I've had to tread really carefully before with clients um, with because of this. And again, I don't think people talk about that enough. Yeah. Um, but that is why a lot of my like methodology when I'm helping people with their clutter is to center joy, not shame and not uh, wanting something that you don't have. So what, for example, if, if with your wardrobe, instead, if, if you centered joy and self-love, like loving, if you loved your, yourself the, the most that you can love yourself and you wanted to center joy, what would you do with your wardrobe and what would you like in your wardrobe? Yeah. And you would not go, oh, all these dresses that remind me that I don't fit in them anymore. Yeah, <laughs> There's no you joy say- in that you know, you deserve to have clothes and things that make you feel joyful so that when you open your wardrobe, you smile because you've, you've got things in there that make you feel really good, not really like shit. (laughs) So, um, I think again, it's nuanced because there's affordability there and, you know, and some people's bodies do genuinely really fluctuate up and down all the time. Um, but I think as a general rule of thumb, if, if, if I can help people to try and think about joy when they're decluttering, like what would lead to a more joyful space? What would lead to a more joyful wardrobe? I think that will help. I think that's going to help. Well, I know that it has helped lots of my clients, but to, to, to kind of unstick some of these really sticky areas. Yeah. Yeah. Because that experience you say of opening the wardrobe and feeling joy, we are having an experience when we open the window of some, not the window, the wardrobe. We're having an experience when we open in the wardrobe of some emotion right now and it might be quiet it might go below the radar but if it's not joy what is it like what am I feeling every time I open that wardrobe and where else am I replicating that process in my house yes and if you think like if you yeah think about that like in in the rest of the house you can see how that's what I'm talking about how it can really drag you down and it's exactly what you say sometimes it goes under the radar and this is it often goes under the radar for other people in the family like for children for example or partners who who might not see it or notice it as much, but for them, it definitely still affects them, you know? Yes. And, and then when it's when it's cleared and sorted and, and they go, whoa, it feels 10 times lighter in here. I didn't even know how heavy it, I didn't realize how heavy it had started to feel. And yes. so you've got the stuff out and you go, whoa, I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing. You know, I feel great. And um, so, yeah, the energy shift is huge, isn't it? So. It's been fascinating kind of going through the reverse of this process in France, because of course we started there with nothing, like mm-hmm. no tin opener. No, every time we needed to do something, we'd be like, oh, we don't have that. We don't have a hairbrush. We don't have yes. anything. Yeah. Um, and I originally really wanted, I had this dream of filling the house so intentionally. I would only choose, you know, like the perfect tin opener. It's not coming yeah. in. But then of course it's like, 
the shop's closing in 10 minutes and we've we've not got any food and you just grab whatever you can grab to get by the supermarket's in opener so you've yeah so it's functional yeah with the red plastic handles and you're like but this doesn't this is not matching my pinterest mood board at all um and so just even noticing there like how quick how quickly it starts to accumulate the clutter and how much that mindset of like oh we don't have like you only have to be caught without something a few times to start to get into that slightly scarcity mindset of like, well, we need things just in case, just in case. Mm-hmm. Like, and in France, supermarkets are not as open and available here. Like on a Sunday, they're quite often not open around us. They don't open on any sort of holiday or, and they don't open, there's no 24 hour like supermarkets near where we are. So we, I'm so used to that. I'm so used to Amazon Prime. If I need something urgently, it'll come the next day. And that's just not true in France. And very quickly got into this space of like, I should stock up. I need to have things in just in case, which mm-hmm. just very quickly becomes clutter. Yeah. It's really uh, tricky, isn't it? And that's why it is so nuanced. And I do say sense of joy, but I think the reality of all of our lives, I'm not even going to say most, is that there's always going to be compromises. There's always going to be... Uh, differences disagreements with the people we live in we we live with and uh you know I don't think that reaching for a state of perfection is ever it's 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 never going to happen is it because of life is real however I still think that if we sense a joy and have more joy you know increasing joy in some areas so like in your French kitchen if you've got joy in your other appliances, your other sort of cutlery, then yes, you have a, an ugly red plastic hand, handle tin opener. Um, and that's okay because it's real life, but it's it's also balanced really well because you've got joy elsewhere. And it's, again, it's that messy middle process of trying to get the balance faders correct so that the you can still hold on to the joy and also the compromises, but you don't allow the compromises and the things that you don't really like to overcome the joy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And one day I will replace that tin opener and my kitchen drawer will be perfect. But you're right, like I I could miss out on all of the joy of the things I do have in there that are beautiful right now. Yes. If I put the focus too far the other way, too far on this idea of perfectionism. And the other thing that's been so interesting about that process is that Orla, who is the most sentimental hoarder in the world she will not get rid of anything 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 at the moment I'm hoping that's going to shift but her bedroom here is very full her bedroom in France of course is very empty yeah and she much much prefers the French one and it's really I can see it like her processing it and looking around her bedroom here and she's wanting to make changes based on her experience of having a space with less in it and of course like that's not available to most people I'm obviously very lucky that we've had this experience of a second home But I, I I find it fascinating watching her. She's 10. So like watching her learn these lessons for herself and go like, oh, actually more of more of things that I quite like does not make me happier. Yes. Oh, it's so tricky, isn't it? I mean, that's a whole other episode, like decluttering kids stuff, decluttering, yeah. kids, decluttering for kids. Like how much do you, well, I think it's really important to centre their opinions and feelings and being yes. careful around that. But also there's only only up to a point because actually <laughs> it can be really overwhelming for them and sometimes we need to step in and help them but like how how do you do that and it's like oh my gosh it's like yeah it's a really that's a huge topic um yeah I'm just clinging to the fact that everyone I know who had children who once they hit like 13 maybe they were just done with toys and wanted it gone uh, that's tragic to me and it's breaking my heart even saying it so let's say for all it'll be 17 yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. so yeah. just seven more years of toys and then 
and then and then I think you know what if it's only a few more years a couple more years of toys like I'm just going to support her through this and help her make intentional choices and not stress about the toy clutter as much as the other clutter and also if I'm not leading by example I can't really expect her to follow Yes, I mean, Frank's now my 11-year-old. She gets really into it now. And she, like we recently, just the other day, actually, she wanted us to help her in her bedroom. And we kind of went up and moved some furniture around and like helped her get rid of stuff. And she's much more comfortable getting rid of stuff now, age 11, than she was age nine. So I There's like, hope. yeah, there That's is. What you're telling me. There is, it, it's definitely true. And I think she now really cares about the environment looking how she wants it to look. And she understands that having loads of stuff everywhere means that it won't do you know what I mean? so yeah. Yeah, again so yeah she she's really learning that um so yeah. for anyone listening to this who is nodding along and feeling recognition and feeling like yes this is what I need but <laughs> doesn't know where to start or is maybe started before and, and stumbled and, and stopped um what do you recommend I think it's about it's sort of two-step isn't it so first of all being really clear about how you actually want it to look And that is about centering joy. So how do you want to feel when you open your wardrobe? And how do you want to feel when you open your kitchen cupboards? And letting that motivate you. And that means that everything you do from that point on will be centered in joy. And trust me, doing things from a place of joy is way, way, way more productive and satisfying than doing things from a place of shame and guilt. So I hate myself better. That never works. Never works. (laughs) Yeah, it literally never, ever works. So it's like, Okay, so send center joy, make like get clear about how you want it to look, and then just start. Don't wait for a mythical time period where you're gonna have a whole day, a whole weekend, a whole week to tackle it, because it's probably not coming. And, yes. and if it does, like go and spend it doing something else. Yeah, go, go, go <laughs> have fun, like do a day trip. But yeah, if you just do like 10 minutes a day, it that is all it takes over it'll take a while but it will have a massive difference like it just did for me um 10 minutes a day as you move around your day just start looking at things with that vision in mind of how you want it to feel start assessing what's in the kitchen and going oh no none of this I don't I've not touched it it's not useful I've got four of them yeah you don't need duplicates yeah you're really good on duplicates actually Sarah you inspired me on duplicates like back in the day when we first I'm ruthless especially about like cups and glasses I'm like I don't have 15 friends why do I need 15 teacups (laughs) exactly yeah so you're really good on that so yeah being clear about that um but yeah just start don't wait for a mythical time just start and what about if people still feel like they need a bit more support? Do you offer any sort of accountability? Yes, because that is the thing, isn't it? So sometimes people can be really self-motivated and just hearing me saying, just start, you know, five, yes. ten minutes a day, don't say, it's like, yes, Go to your kitchen drawer. Like, go, yes. go, go, be free. Um, but for other people, they go, yeah, that's a really good idea, but I know I'm still not going to do it. <laughs> then if, if that's you, I do offer support. So I do, I've got like one-to-one consultations, but... Um, I've got a program starting on the 2nd of July called the four week refresh. And it's like a series of sprints where there's like a weekly theme and then like a daily email from me and a daily voice note from me as well on Voxer. So it's like, I'm literally like right there in your face (laughs) in a very loving book kicking way saying, right today you're doing this. You know, if you've only got five minutes, just do that. But if you've got longer, do this. Good luck. You can do this. And it's sort of, a mix of accountability and handholding and I'll kind of get people to share if they feel comfortable there'll be a Facebook group as well so like take your take before and after photos nice uh, which is so motivating by the way before and after photos whether you share them or not but just seeing how it used to look and how it looks at the end of the day you're like oh I want more of that 
Um, so yeah, and it's so that's like, called the four week refresh. Four week summer refresh. Um, yes, four week summer refresh. We go around. It's like kitchen, bathroom, entrance, living room. There's a bonus garden week, um, and then there's also two two day sprints. One is a toy sprint, so kids' toys, like sort out your kids' toys in two days. And one is a hobby, so whatever hobby it is, um, go through your hobby stuff in two days. Oh my God, I need this. So basically you're telling me I'm a month away, just a month away from having a decluttered house again. Exactly. And and if you can't join in with with all of the different sprints, you can just, for example, if you know that you need to do kitchen and toys, then just join in on the kitchen and toy week or do the whole thing and, you know, work around the whole house. So, um, but yeah, so where the, can we find more information on that? So the, the website to go to is hannahbullivant.com slash refresh. And there's information on my Instagram, which is at hannahbullivant as well. And this is, sorry, when was the cutoff date that they need to join by? It starts on the 2nd of July. So I'll probably accept people right up until the 2nd. Amazing. Okay. So we, it's, a, it's all of July basically is when we're going to be is. doing it. Amazing. It um, also, I was hoping, would you come on my Substack for my paid members and we could do a bit of a Q&A there and um, help people maybe with specific issues they're having? Yes, I would be delighted. I love talking about decluttering. Um, yeah, that, that sounds fun. Perfect. Fantastic. I might bring some of my own issues. My, I've got a I've got a really big light shade issue at the French house. So I might have to bring that along. Yeah. Get yeah, some tapes. I love it. Um, so I will announce that on the paid Substack tier for anyone who's on there. And if you're not already a member, it starts at about five pounds a month. And we would love to have you. There's lots of awesome perks like co-working calls and guests like Hannah and exciting people. Hannah, where can people find more of your work and more of your wisdom? My main hangout is Instagram, which is at hannabullivant, B-U-L-L-I-V-A-N-T. And my website is hannabullivant.com. Amazing. It's always so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing your genius. Oh, thank you for having me. Show notes for this episode are on my website, meanola.co.uk, and also, hopefully, in your podcast app right now. You can see links to Hannah's programme, my substack everything hannah does online and anything else that i can think of that we mentioned thank you for still being here thank you for hitting play on this episode because i know it's been a while and i know there's a lot of choice out there the podcasting world has changed a lot now when i go into my app it's all big corporate productions and i just want to say thank you for listening to this small non-corporate me sat at my kitchen table with my cat production It means a lot. It makes a difference. And I appreciate you. Okay, I will be back very soon, but hopefully we can talk somewhere online before then. Take care.